When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to Vanessa Frazier, who is another Bowerman babe, and she ran at Stanford. We actually competed against each other a little bit. I don't really know how much because we were in a little bit different events. She was more of a 5K runner, but we definitely raced each other in cross country. And she now runs a 1448 5K. Yeah, you heard that right, 1448. This episode is all about her comeback from injury and how she's kind of dealing with that mentally and things that she's done to kind of overcome negative thoughts and boost her confidence over the course of her running career. And I think it's really helpful for anyone struggling with an injury or just looking to gain confidence in their running abilities and ways to do that. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Care Of. Care of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Care of's in-depth five-minute online quiz asks you questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns to help you address your specific wellness goals. The online quiz is like getting a one-on-one consultation with the nutritionist all without leaving your house. Personally, I've been taking my Care of vitamin box with me as I traveled from Flagstaff for altitude training camp back to my home in San Diego, and it's just super convenient to have these vitamins on hand without having to bring like a bunch of different, you know, boxes and bottles of vitamins with me. Having the one box with individually wrapped packets of vitamins every day is just super convenient and I love it. It takes about 30 days for your body to adapt to new nutrients, so now is a great time to update your vitamin and wellness routines to help support your immune system this fall. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code COLDBREW50. That's to get 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code COLDBREW50. Now let's get straight into the episode. All right, Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. Yet another Bowerman babe on Compass Over Colbury. Was anyone surprised? Probably not. Uh, I'm excited to have you on, though. To start off, do you want to give a rundown of who you are and what you're about? Sure, yeah. I'm Vanessa. I am going into my third year on the Bowerman Chat Club, so I've been a part of the team officially for two years now, which is insane. It feels like uh, I don't even know what happened the last two years, but... <laughs> Um, especially this past year. Um, and then before that, I ran collegiately at Stanford for five years. Um, and fun fact, competed against Emma in the Pac-12. <laughs> <Woo>. um, <laughs> and uh, I guess that's about it. Yeah. So like you said, these past couple of years have gone by so fast, even for me, not a professional runner. But this year, I, st- I cannot believe it's November. Like... <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I even accomplished this year and it's I have a hard time thinking of what I've done but you've you've done a lot you were racing at the beginning (laughs) of the year um do you want to take us through like what your 2020 has been like yeah yeah I mean I feel like I've done a lot and nothing at the same time and it's also that weird thing of like it feels like it went by really fast but also so slow so it's very very strange um but yeah so started out at altitude camp in Colorado Springs, January 2nd. Um, I remember I posted an Instagram with Colleen that was like, with our, we had these 2020 glasses that I got for everybody on the team. And we, I posted this post, it was like, 2020, we're ready for you. And I'm like, oh, that really didn't age too well. 
I think everyone um, thought that. Like, I, yeah. I went into 2020 and I was like, this is going to be my year. You know, yeah. I have so much on the agenda and we're going to yeah. accomplish so much. It's crazy. Big 2020 energy for sure <laughs> starting out. Um, and I had a pretty good training camp. I mean, as always, especially for me, altitude camp is like an emotional roller coaster and it's hard, 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 hard. And then all of a sudden, like, you see it all pay off at the end. So I would say that was kind of my experience. I had my first two races in February were kind of like, meh, mediocre, felt okay about it, but not super pumped. And I just like rallied up my confidence and like really got hyped for the 5k in Boston at the end of February and had kind of my big breakthrough race. And looking back on that race, I like don't know how I would have made it through this year without having that to kind of like hold on to as um, just a piece of confidence, but also knowing that like the grind is worth it. And that if I like keep doing what I'm doing, I'll have another moment like that. But if I didn't have that, I think I'd have a hard time like keeping the faith through all the hard times that followed. Cause it was pretty much this high, high of running 1448. And then like, a couple of weeks later started dealing with really, really bad Achilles pain and, um, basically getting through March and April was so, so difficult. So to go from that high moment to like, just like struggling through every day, both mentally and physically was tough. And then, um, yeah, then got surgery in May and like did that whole rehab over summer. So um, long story short, really glad that that little indoor season happened. I had no idea at the time how important that was going to be just like mentally to get through this year. Yeah. Were you dealing with, um, Achilles problems like at the beginning of the year or did it just start happening in March and April? Um, I had been dealing with it for basically three years and it, it was really bad at the beginning of the year. And then I got these saline injections in Colorado um, that just miraculously cured the pain for about a month. So for all of February, I felt amazing. And I think that's part of the reason why I was able to, you know, pop off such a good race is because I was like finally pain free. Um, But for whatever reason, well, actually, I knew it was going to be a short term solution, um, regardless, but then also I think racing just like did me in and then it came back. And then at that point, I couldn't even go back to Colorado to get the injections again, because everything was shut down. So I was like, kind of stuck. Yeah, but yeah, besides the month of February, I'd been dealing with Achilles stuff for three years. I will never understand how people can run through that like pain because I've had two bad Achilles injuries and uh-huh. I like I just immediately had to stop because I was just limping with every step like were you feeling it every yeah. step that you ran for three yeah, years it basically was, <laughs> it was both sides so I don't know if that like somehow weirdly made it easier to deal with because I was symmetrical so I was like oh this is just normal like both sides feel the same they both feel terrible but it's not like one is worse than the other yeah um I, I mean, I don't, looking back, I don't, I was at a breaking point of like, I, I could barely go another day dealing with it. So you do hit that breaking point And it's just that stubborn runner mentality of like, basically the only way it was going to get better was surgery or these like short-term solutions that I was trying. And so I was like, I don't have an option, but to run through it and train through it. Like it's an Olympic year. I just got to like, deal with it so I guess you kind of get used to it but it definitely was rough (laughs) yeah well I can see why you had such a good race in February then after getting those shots because I can only imagine like the relief you would feel Mm. after having three years of constant pain in your Achilles all of a sudden to be like oh my gosh like that must have been such a huge confidence booster and after going to altitude too (laughs) after like just dying in every workout probably yeah Yeah. exactly yeah Yeah. it is pretty amazing what you can do when you're not in pain and just like how much more enjoyable running is (laughs) yeah exactly your mentality is probably a lot better too because you're more focused on the race rather than if you're gonna like be in pain or not or if this is gonna be the last final straw for the achilles right 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 i was looking back at your instagram post and you (laughs) i don't even know what these words mean it was in (laughs) i think this is a surgery or maybe this wasn't the surgery. I don't know. Insertional oh, yeah, I think so. Achilles tendinopathy and Haglund's deformities, bone spurs, and the calcinus. 
is that so are those the things that you fixed or what is what is that exactly yeah that's what I fixed so so Haglund's deformities are the name for getting bone spurs on your calcaneus bones like which are your heel bones and so Haglund's are actually pretty common in runners like Sean McGordy had Haglund's deformity in college and had that surgery to remove it, I think, in 2017. And then Gwen had it last year. Um, and I know quite a few other runners who've had it. And it's like, for whatever reason, the bone on your heel just like grows in response to stress and pressure. And then it creates this little like bump that starts rubbing on your Achilles which then starts to like fray and get all these micro tears. So that's what basically insertional tendinopathy is, is like the little fibers of the Achilles is rubbing on that bone and like getting all these little tiny tears. So I had all those little tears cleaned up and then the bump on the bone shaved off. Okay. Man, that's how, was it painful? (laughs) Yeah, super painful. (laughs) Yeah, yep, it was. (laughs) Can confirm. So going into like the surgery what were your thoughts? Were you like, this is like the only time I'm going to have the chance to do this? Or were you like hesitant to do it? Were you Mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't know, pressured by a coach to do it? Like what were your thoughts going into it? Mm, I mean, I think with surgery, it's always the last straw. I mean, like going in there and messing with things is like your last resort. You don't necessarily want to do that. But I'd gotten to a point of desperation again, especially since I knew the Olympics were postponed and I wasn't able to go get those injections for short-term relief. I was literally like at a point of, I don't care, like cut me open, do whatever, because I can't get through another day running like this. I mean, it was truly brutal, like the month of April. Um, Just, so I think when you get to that point of desperation, it kind of becomes a very clear and easy decision. And then obviously not having a regular summer season ahead. I was like, I just knew that's what I had to do. Um, But I think the hard thing about it was knowing exactly which surgery to get because there are kind of like some different options there and where to get it done. Because at that point, um, you know, you couldn't get procedures done electively because of COVID. So I was literally monitoring all the different states regulations and being like, while like Texas is opening up surgeries like two weeks before Oregon. So maybe I could go to Texas and then like Arizona. And then I was like basing my decision off of which states were opening up and it added this whole other element. Um, And then also the fact that I had both of them that I wanted to do, a lot of surgeons um, said they wouldn't do both at the same time. And so then that was another factor I was juggling of like, I knew I wanted to have them both done at the same time because of my timeline. I was like, I need to get back to training as soon as possible. So, you know, that was another constraint and found, found my guy who would do it and uh, <laughs> shout out, <laughs> got it done. <laughs> um, and then how was the recovery process? Like how long did they project that you were going to have to be like off your feet or not running? I didn't really get a clear cut answer, which I think was good and bad at the same time, because, um, you know, it's always hard when you have a certain timeline in mind and then like, for whatever reason, you're not able to reach that timeline or it takes longer than you expect. Um, but because I wasn't given a clear cut timeline, I kind of like made up my own timeline in my head and I was like, by six (laughs) weeks, I'm going to be running. And I don't know like what rock I was living under, but yeah, I was totally, totally um, off on that about how long it would take just with both sides and then having the bone cut down. That's what takes the longest to heal is anytime the bone um, needs to heal. So I think it ended up being, I guess I was on the Alter G like six and a half weeks post-op, which is pretty good. I mean, I was at like 75% body weight, but that's still pretty good. Um, and I don't know the overall recovery process, I think in a weird way feels like a rite of passage that I needed as a runner. I never had any big injuries set me back. I really had never taken more than like a week off at any given time from running since high school. 
So I'm like, um, you know, as dramatic as it was to be in two boots and that's like, felt like a very extreme way to go through injury. I feel like it was kind of, I don't want to say a cool experience, but (laughs) an experience that like, I don't know, made me appreciate what other people have gone through with injuries. And, you know, there is a certain, a certain toughness that you build up when you have to go through something like that and you have to cross train and you're just like forced, um, away from running for a while. I don't know. It definitely makes you grow some hair on your chest, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it makes you have a greater appreciation for when you can run. Like I'm sure the first steps that you took outside after that were very special. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, just like, going through something challenging and hard makes you tougher in the end I think um and I also feel like I don't know it was like a good challenge of like figuring out how to deal with the rehab and it was almost like you know with COVID there wasn't a lot to look forward to um I mean I ended up missing out on the Bowerman racing season and having a lot of FOMO about that but not having like the next goal to really look forward to this gave me something to really challenge myself and um was like a good shift of a mental and physical challenge yeah did you have to do a lot of like PT work or like strengthening yeah quite a bit especially um you know both sides are weak so even just as simple as once I was out of the boots like practicing how to stand and like literally would just like do repetitions of like standing on two feet and like standing on one foot and really, really basic things like that um, to get stability and strength back. So I was like back to the very basics. Um, So my PT from, I was at home in California, my PT who I worked with in high school was helping me through that process. He would come over for like two hours a day, every other day, um and that was like a lifesaver yeah oh my gosh I can't even imagine and then were you (laughs) because you were in boots I I think I remember seeing an Instagram post of you biking with boots on am I (laughs) were so were you able to cross train while you were in the boots Mm -hmm. I did a lot of biking with boots on even even once I was like walking boot free I still would put the boots on to bike just because like you know when you you just don't want to have to worry about like pushing your heel down and like yeah. causing a lot. Of, it's a lot of strain on your calves and Achilles. I never even thought about biking that way, but I was like, Oh, it actually does kind of put pressure on that area. So I was wearing boots on the bike for like two months, just so I wouldn't have to worry and just like go as hard as I want. Um, so I was able to do that and get really good workouts. And then I was able to aqua jog as well. Those were like the, the first two forms of cross training that I did. How are you feeling about cross training now? <laughs> how's the how's the relationship with the pool? <laughs> Super burned out, yeah. <laughs> Super burned out. I think I burnt myself out even more on the bike because that's where I ended up just like going ham, and yeah. I I don't want to get on the bike still. <laughs> I don't want to see another bike for a long time. Yeah, I feel like that's how everyone comes out of injuries. Like I remember in college, I used the elliptical when I had Achilles problems. And I don't think I've set foot on an elliptical mm, since mm-hmm. sophomore year of college now. I'm like, absolutely not. Do not mm-hmm. sign me up for that. But it is, yeah. like you said, a rite of passage. So how are you doing now, though? So now, enough about, you know, the harder yeah. times. How are you doing yeah. in terms of, like, your Achilles? And are you dealing with any more pain at all? I'm doing pretty well. I would say maybe, like, 90 95% of the way there and I'm like six months post-op so I mean I'm happy with that I actually um I feel like let's see like months months three to four was my best time period and then like the last couple months have been maybe a little bit harder I think because back then I wasn't expecting to like get fitness back as quickly as I did and I wasn't expecting to feel as good as I did and I like jumped into some workouts feeling great and so I was way exceeding my expectations back then so then because of that I was like oh the next two months I'm gonna keep like getting so much better fitness wise and Achilles wise and I feel like I've 
kind of hit that plateau phase of not really seeing that many improvements and being like, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's the way it goes. You, you don't really know when you're going to hit that uptick and when you're going to hit the plateau and when you might take a few steps backwards. So I think given that I had expectations of continuing that uptick and maybe not getting that as much, um, the last couple of months have been a little bit harder, but overall, I mean, I am like basically back to full mileage. I'm doing better in workouts than I had the last two falls and I'm pain-free most of the time. I still get flare-ups sometimes after workouts, but it's like, that's to be expected. The healing process can take up to a year. So overall, I would say I'm like definitely on track and happy with it. Just, you know, sometimes it's still hard mentally. Yeah. How are you dealing with like the plateau? Um, I don't know. I'm figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Just like, I mean, I, I think I have to tell myself a lot, like, um, I don't know. I, I tell myself I need to give myself some grace and really appreciate what my body went through and really appreciate, um, even how well I'm doing compared to a year ago. And it's just, I mean, that's what you have to do in all situations, especially on this team where you are comparing yourself to the absolute best and the highest of standards every day. That's, you know, what you're around. Um, And so it all goes back to really focusing on your own journey and appreciating where you've come, where you have come from. And so I don't know, I just always tell myself that and like, you know, be kind to yourself be gentle on yourself. Like, you know, what you're doing is amazing. And just like trying to reframe into that positive thinking, which is super hard. Yeah. And I think of times during like plateaus, it's all about consistency too. And like not giving up on yourself. I mean, even Mm -hmm. though maybe you're not seeing the progress that you want, like as quick as you want, or even if you take a couple steps back, like if you're continuously putting in the work every day, you're going to see fitness gains eventually it's not like it's just not all for nothing you know you're not going to be in the plateau forever so right right yeah having that long-term perspective of like um you know this is gonna really help me in June and I know that Jerry knows how to peak us at the right time so when the time comes like all this work will be still in the bank and thinking back to last year actually helps a lot because I had a really really rough fall last year just felt horrible and crappy Um, I mean, the entire fall training block into altitude camp. And then all of a sudden, boom, I have this breakthrough at the end of February. And so I think thinking back to that too is important of like, okay, like you can go through a really crappy period and just be like grinding it out and not feeling great and not having a plus workouts. And that could last for a couple months. And then, you know, it'll all of a sudden come together. So just like, having that trust and faith in the process <laughs> it's so cliche but it's it's actually so it's true, true. Mm-hmm. and it's like it's kind of crazy how all of those months of training just like lead up to one big like crazy race like your 1448 and it and yeah. honestly it makes it all worth it like the fact that you keep looking back at that for motivation just like that specific moment it just shows like how important those hard times of training are even if you're not mm-hmm. feeling the best like the outcome is what is what makes it all worth it, even though it's only, I don't know, a 15 minute race. (laughs) Right. I know. I'm like talking about all these, like grinding out month after month, all these hard times. And then I have like this one race that I'm excited about, but it's worth it. (laughs) It it definitely (laughs) is. I mean, it's just so fulfilling when you, especially after going through something like that. And I'm sure for you, like in the next year, you're going to feel the same way after like all that 2020 has been for you. Like having that one breakout race is going to feel so good and it's going to make it all worth it. So yeah, Yeah. I'm excited for that. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. What are your goals now for 2021? Cause obviously 2020 has been, I don't don't know what even is the goal for 2020. No one really set any because everything got canceled. So what, what does it look like for you now? Um, I mean, I really kind of like more personal goals would be like, I really want to PR in the 5k again. Um, I feel like I still have a lot more in me in the 5k and hopefully, you know, being another year stronger and being mostly pain-free now that'll be possible. Um, and then I want to have, well, I'm going to have my debut in the 10k that's 
supposed Ooh. to have happened the last two years and it didn't happen the last two years for various reasons so I just want to have like a really good experience with that event I ran it like just a couple times in college at Pac-12s and that was always really tactical so I've never had like a true hard you know paced 10k um so I want that to be a positive experience and then um you know all eyes are on June and just being the best I can be in June and being the best prepared and executing as best as I can on the day in June. And, you know, of course, everybody wants to make the Olympic team, but more so making my focus be like, how can I be my best self, um, you know, towing the line in Eugene? Yeah. So what is the team dynamic like? Because everyone is gunning for June, obviously. There's mm-hmm. what is there, three spots? I should know this. Yeah. Three spots <laughs> for the for the Olympic team and like the five K yeah. and the ten K. So mm-hmm. what's like what do you think the team dynamic is gonna be like going into this year? I mean, definitely like on the surface. I assume everything is going to be the same, you know, and we are, we are a supportive group um, of each other. And at the end of the day, it's, you're going to support your teammates because you're all like doing the best you can do. And that's kind of the mindset that you have to have, but it's really, really hard. I think for me, at least it has been hard in the past, like even at USA's, with lower stakes at indoor USA's or um, last year in 2019, there were five of us in the 5k, I think um, with three world spots on the line. And I wasn't in a place really to make the world team last year, but, but just even like having that in your mind, it, it does feel stressful. Um, So I haven't really figured out like (laughs) what the best way to deal with that stress is. Cause like, I want the best for everybody on the team, but I also want the best for myself. And so, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily going to be a win, 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 win for everybody. Um, I mean, I do think that there's a world in which we can kind of like spread out across different events. And if we do that strategically, I think at least everybody will have a good shot. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you definitely don't want to like put I don't want to necessarily put all my eggs in the 5k basket and have like four other teammates doing the same thing, not to mention all the other good 5k runners who aren't on Bowerman, (laughs) you know? So I think it's kind of like about strategically, you know, double dipping in events and just making sure that everybody feels like they're going to have their best opportunity. And then, you know, dynamic wise, I'm sure it's stressful. It's going to be stressful, but I think being prepared for that and even talking about that is, is probably something good to do. Yeah, definitely. Today's episode is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well, easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. They let you choose from a wide array of easy to follow recipes, including recipes for paleo, keto and plant powered diets. The recipes include some pre-chopped ingredients, pre-made sauces, dressings, and spices so you can get more flavor in less time, which is what I love about Green Chef. It always spices up my dinners for the week, you know? Usually I'm a creature of habit and my meals are pretty simple and pretty boring, but whenever my Green Chef box comes in the mail, I get so excited because those meals are mm, so, so much better than what I can make on my own and what I would decide to make with my limited grocery list. So let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh to offer a wider array of meal plans to choose from. And there's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands for when my tastes change or when I want to eat a little bit differently from month to month. If you're interested in checking out Green Chef, go to greenchef.com coldbrew90 and use code coldbrew90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash coldbrew90 and use code coldbrew90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. Now let's get back to the episode. What is it like like being on a team with so many of your old college teammates? Because I feel like Bowerman is like low-key Stanford 2.0, you know? Yeah, Stanford Bowerman feeder. Um, it's awesome. I mean, I live with Sean and Elise, so in some ways it feels like an extension of college. And just, I mean you know, the bonds that you have with college teammates is just so special. And I have a special bond with everybody on Bowerman now, but 
carrying over that special college bond is, um, you know, all the more significant. And I think for me, at least running professionally has been like the most difficult phase of my career. And so to have people who know you that well, um, you know, for so many years there as a support system has made a huge difference for me. Why do you say that it's been the like <laughs> most challenging for you? <laughs> I think, I think probably the main reason is it's like, it's all, I mean, I do some other things, but it's really like all <laughs> I do now. Like, I yeah, yeah, know. yeah. I live, eat, breathe, sleep, running 24 seven. But I mean, you do that a lot. Of course, I have like some other things, like I said, but um, it's, it's so different than being in school. And like, you know, if you have I don't know if you're just going through like a blah time with running, there's all this distraction with academics and social life and people outside your world of what you do to like have as an outlet. And um, so to be more like all consumed in this bubble of running, it's a lot. um, I don't know. It's just like more pressure and more mentally draining. And especially when you're going through, like I said, like a plateau in training or going through a rough time with injury. Um, it's a lot harder to feel like there's an escape and to feel like, you know, this is my whole existence. Like, what do I do? What am I doing? Um, so I would say that. And then also just like the transition to, to higher level training and, and comparing yourself to people who are absolutely amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you do like during those times, like say that you're injured or going through a plateau, like what do you do mentally to kind of help yourself um, get away from the running world, I guess? Like what, do you have any other hobbies? Because I know when I was injured in college, it's like you want to focus on anything else. And I know school is obviously a big one for a lot of people, but now for you, have you found anything that you like doing outside of running? (laughs) Um, I've been really making like concerted efforts this fall, especially um, maybe, maybe cause of like coming back from injury or like, I've been through this for two years now. I've sort of like figured out what I need to do. Maybe it's also cause of COVID and just feeling like an extra need for something outside of this bubble. But, um, I mean, I think having friends who aren't runners is really huge for me. Um, and whether those people are in person or I need to FaceTime them, like, really spending time just like talking to and hanging out with people who don't maybe they get running but like don't really get it and are so disconnected from it it's like so refreshing and it just makes you remember like you know there is a huge world outside of running and it's not the end all be all the biggest world there's the biggest world outside of running (laughs) um so I mean that's helpful that's pretty simple and then um this fall I finally um, got a keyboard because I played piano a lot growing up. And um, so I'm like learning some fun Kygo songs right now. I'm like playing the keyboard a little bit and it's a great outlet, like super easy, simple outlet. And then I signed up to be a foster for the Oregon Humane Society. So we're fostering a kitten right now. And so I don't know, these are really simple things that don't take a lot of energy, but I feel like just something as basic as like cuddling with a kitten after a bad workout was like a game changer. <laughs> yeah, it really helps. <laughs> and I like what you said about like having friends outside of the running world because for me, like all throughout growing up, all my friends have been runners. And right. I didn't start making friends outside the running world until after college. And I was like, wow, these people don't know anything about running. <laughs> like <laughs> in an, in the best way, they don't care. <laughs> like yeah. the running world is so small and not toxic isn't the right word but it's like if you only immerse yourself hanging out with people that are like so focused on times or like your fitness level it can really get to you especially if you're not feeling like mentally confident in where you're at right now and having that escape of just like hanging out with people that don't know anything about (laughs) the sport running (laughs) is so refreshing and eye-opening yeah it really is eye-opening especially like yeah when you live in such the bubble that this world is and that's what you're like around all the time and don't get me wrong 
I love and adore my running friends and that's actually like a very special bond that nobody else will ever understand but yeah having that mix and that outlet to separate from it sometimes is great yeah have you like made new friends outside of running like in your adult life because I know that's a lot what a lot of people deal with is like yeah and me too like if you're immersed in the running bubble it's hard to like even have things in common with other people if your life is running I know yeah have you been able to make any other friends like outside of the running world um no new friends (laughs) (laughs) so I have a couple of friends who were actually just like randomly born and raised in Portland and have come back to Portland after college so uh, and like they were good friends in college, but not runners. So that's kind of nice that they're in Portland, at least some of the time. Um, and I maybe met some people through them, but not like super close friends. It's really hard to make friends in adult life, um, you know, outside of what we do. I don't really know, but those good college friends who weren't on the team, but knew me in college have been like lifesavers. Yeah. Like you said, FaceTime is a great, great tool to have during this time. And like when I moved to Portland, I didn't, I didn't have that many like set friends, you know, I didn't have like people that I knew. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only person I knew was like Maddie Myers and who is a running friend, you know, but she was like a running acquaintance and I didn't really know her that well, but I just reached, I just reached out to her when I moved and I was like, or when I was about to move and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm moving to Portland. Like (laughs) I don't have any friends, whatever. So that's how I made all of my friends. So Mm -hmm. if anyone listening is maybe a young adult or they're graduating from college, I think it's just all about like reaching out to maybe acquaintances that, you know, or old friends like you Mm -hmm. who maybe Mm -hmm. live in the same city or you haven't talked to in a long time. Like making friends as an adult is hard, but I think you just kind of have to get past like the cringe factor of reaching out to someone that you don't really know. (laughs) in an effort to to make new friends or like rekindle relationships right right and then they can bring you into their circles exactly that's what happened to me so I'm very grateful for that but that being said they're all runners (laughs) (laughs) I don't know maybe that's just something I think running will just forever be a part yeah I mean there's nothing wrong with that at all so (laughs) yeah exactly what do you see yourself doing like after you finish running I haven't quite figured that out yet. So I'm like using this time as a runner to like slowly be thinking about it. Um, I don't know. I definitely, um, it's so interesting, like seeing my friend, like again, non-professional athlete friends go through the years after college. And like a lot of them really hate their jobs outside. I mean, their first jobs out of college, they don't really love. And I don't know. It's kind of been eye-opening to for me to watch them experience that transition, and also like really anxiety-provoking. That's <laughs> such, such a hard thing to know. And I'm like, I'm gonna be, you know, dealing with this, you know, probably when I'm 30 something, and I'm gonna be way behind the curve. But um, maybe having all these years to like run will give me time to to think about it and figure it out. But um, yeah, I don't know, like. I feel like I want to do something at least tangentially related to sports. Like it doesn't have to be like super running related or sport related, but something somehow connected. Yeah. Um, what'd yeah. you get, what'd you major in in college? Cause you have a Stanford degree. So I studied symbolic systems it's called, which is basically <laughs> I have no idea what that is. It combines, um, computer science, psychology, philosophy, and linguistics. And basically I was like studying like human behavior and logic and things like that, just out of interest, not really, you know, thinking about what I wanted to do career wise, but you can do a lot of different things with it. You know, whether you go into something psychology related or business related or software related tech related um that's kind of why I picked it too because I was like you could go in a lot of different directions and then I got I did since I did a fifth year I did like the co-term one year master's in management science and engineering which is basically just business so I kind of have like hopefully some more like hard skills that are a little more applicable (laughs) yeah no it sounds like it 
was was that degree hard for you? I mean, I feel like any degree at Stanford is going to be challenging. I actually felt like the grad degree was easier than undergrad. And I don't know if that's just because I like had my school system figured out and like knew how to handle things better. Um, but I felt like it was easier, weirdly. <laughs> well, that's, so, I mean, that's nice. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is like the routine that you have down. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it and just like knowing how to get help and go to office hours and like team up with people for study groups and projects and stuff. Whereas freshman, sophomore year, like I didn't know what I was doing and didn't really like know how to utilize the resources that I had available. As as most freshmen do, yeah. especially. I feel like I look back at freshman year, I'm like, what was I even doing? You know, uh, it's such an <laughs> It's such an adjustment I, year. I was like a mess. I would say Emma was a wreck freshman year. Probably. Really? Yeah, a bit. But, you know, we figured it out by the end. I would say I was just like a social butterfly, and that's what I cared about freshman year. Were you in a like, sorority? Um, No, but I like had a lot of friends in one and like sort of, I don't know. It was like pretty low-key at Stanford already, so it was like not a huge deal, but... Yeah, again, I don't know, having that social life outside of running, I think has always been something that's really, really helped me. Yeah, definitely. I could not imagine like not having a social life. I mean, I guess in college, my social life was definitely, you know, down <laughs> the drain, but I had like good teammates that were like fun to hang around. So that helped yeah. a lot. Yeah. But um, how was like your Stanford experience balancing academics and athletics and just like your overall time there? Mm-hmm. Because you you improved a lot in college. Yes. Every year, I would say I kind of, like, took a step up. Um, the, I mean, the overall experience for me was, like, 11 out of 10, amazing. I would do it over and over again for the rest of my life if I could choose. Like, that's how much I loved it. And I think part of that is because um, I had this lifelong dream of going to Stanford. So it was just a very, like, special place to me a very special experience like I would be walking around campus on a daily basis pinching myself just being like I'm literally living out my dream um so I mean that whole part of it was was amazing um I I don't know I think I did a pretty good job balancing academics and sport and I think the reason why is because I was never a perfectionist with school I was always like you know I cared about school I was interested in learning things, but I was like not super uptight about what my grades were. I was in high school because I knew that would like help me get into Gotta get into Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like once I was at, yeah, once I was in college, I was like, I don't know. I just didn't place a lot of value on like being perfect at school. Um, So I was good enough at school, you know, obviously like did all my homework and stuff. But I would prioritize like, you know, being in bed by 10 or 11, like no matter what, no matter what was due the next day, like I'm just going to do the most I can do and then I'm going to make myself go to bed. So I think that helped a lot. And, um, you know, running wise, it was, I feel like such an unexpected journey. I get there as a freshman and I'm like, honestly, just happy to be there and so naive about running in general, like didn't know anything about pro running, but didn't even really like know much about the collegiate scene or like what good times were like uh, nothing really. And, you know, there were a lot of really good women on the team and I'm like, you know, not even in the top eight, my freshman year of college is like, what am I doing? (laughs) What were your PRs coming out of high school? Um, I mean, they were solid. I think my 3,200 was 1028. And my 1600 was like 454. And so they were definitely solid, but compared to some of the people on the team, like definitely not as fast. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of just like had a breakthrough toward the end of my sophomore year. I broke 16 minutes in the 5K for the first time. And so at that point, I'd been in college for like a year and a half. And um, when I had that breakthrough, I was like, oh, wow, like, that's what kind of, like, 
consistent training over time can do. If I was able to do that in this first year and a half, and I'm only a sophomore, like imagine what I could do by senior year, or if I do a fifth year by my fifth year. And so then that was when my mentality kind of shifted of like, I could be good if I really just like, again, buy into the process. <laughs> we always like joke about it in the house because we like talk about it a lot. Like it's so true. Just buy into the process, trust the process. It really works. Our, so our theme like, in college was enjoy the process. So, you know. Oh, that too. That's important. <laughs> Very important, which I was doing. I was definitely enjoying it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when it like started. And then each year I just kept improving and would pick up momentum from that and be like okay let's like do it again next year (laughs) yeah someone like looking to make massive improvements what advice would you give to them what do you think that has helped you the most well again this is such like classic (laughs) advice but um I mean consistency so you know I was fortunate not to deal with any big injuries and that doesn't mean that you can't get better if you have a big injury. Like it is part of being a runner is getting injured at some point, but you know, avoiding those at all costs by being a little bit more conservative with training, especially at a younger age, especially in high school, especially freshman, sophomore year of like, you know, not pushing the mileage too, too much, really, really taking those easy days easy, like finding a way to continue the process day after day um, you know, at all costs, even if that means like being slightly undertrained, um, by like being a little bit under what you think you should be running mileage wise or taking it a little bit easier than you even think you should be. Um, so I think that's the main thing. And then the other thing is like self-belief. And I think self-belief is such a hard thing to have, um, for anybody. I don't know. I mean, sometimes it amazes me, uh, seeing some of the people on Bowerman, like, where does this insane self-belief come from? Like, it's kind of an interesting question because I'm like, how can you tell yourself, like, I'm going to run a 14, 24, five? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've been there before. I've been able to get myself to that point before with big goals, but I think it's like interesting seeing the process of like what it takes to get to that point of being able to proclaim such a big goal and being able to say like, I'm going to do that. Um, and like watching the women that I train with do that is super interesting. Um, cause for me, I think at least in college, it definitely took having somebody else really showing that they believed in me before I believed in myself. Like my coach, coach Milt, um, definitely, I think believed in me before I did and would say things like, you know, you can be really good. You can do this. Like you can make nationals, you can run this time. And that helped me believe in myself so much. So I think finding that person, whether it's your coach um, or, you know, some other mentor or a teammate or whoever who like starts to say those things to you, then I think you start to believe them too. I'm like, oh my gosh, if this person that I really respect who knows me well is like telling me this, then like I for sure can do that. And then like having that, at least for me, I think that's what helped in college and that's what continues to help when I feel like I need that extra bump of like believing that I can do something big yeah I this reminds me of the episode I did with Stephen Fahey this was like months ago now but we talked about like kind of the mental shift you need from we talked about like high school to college or Stephen from like just being like okay with you know running at Stanford to winning NCAAs like the mental shift that you need to have going into those races is huge. And it is, like you said, it's hard to just kind of tell someone like how to do it because it's just such an individual experience on how you Mm -hmm. gain that confidence. But I think it is like having someone that's there for you and having someone to rely on that fully like believes in you and what you can do is so important. So I also recommend like, I don't know, talking to your coach about this, talking about like the big goals that you have, or just finding like a parent or even a friend, someone that like supports you in in Mm -hmm. your dreams whether it be running or, or not running. Now this is turning right. into life, this is turning into life coaching. <laughs> life advice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, I think back to, again, you know, my highlight of 2020, my big 5k race and like about like, I think it was actually just six days before was when I had a really good workout that made me feel like, um, 
oh my gosh, like I can for sure break 15 minutes. And it really made me believe that. And I got like super excited about it. And then the night before the race, I ran into Jerry just walking along the streets of Boston, like coming back from dinner. And there was Jerry. And I was like, Jerry, like, do you think I can do it? Like, do you really think I can do it? And like, sometimes I just need to like straight up ask and be like, tell me I can do it. Just tell me you believe in me. And he was like, yeah, like I, and I mean, he wouldn't just like, you know, say if he didn't believe it, like I yeah. knew he believed it, but like getting him to say that meant so much. It was just like, sometimes you just need that extra, like, yes, you can do it. Yeah, exactly. That totally makes sense. Well, now that you broke 15, like what's the next goal for you? Time-wise for 1448. Uh, it's like a huge yeah. 12 seconds off of 15s. So. Um, yeah, I, I think like sub 1440 is my next goal. You so, got it. Do you know when yeah. your first race is going to be at all? I think sometime in February, obviously okay. like a little up in there, but I think some way, somehow we're going to find a way to, to get a racing situation in yeah. February. Yeah. Back in Boston, maybe. If yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be exciting. Um, oh, I'm excited yeah. to watch this next year for you, especially all that like you've been through this year with the, the surgery. Like that's no, that's no small feat, you know, overcoming that. So I'm sure everyone listening to is excited too, to see what you do next year and is rooting you on. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm definitely uh, just looking forward to racing again. Yeah, that's going to be a good feeling stepping on the track for the first time after like such a big injury. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think this episode was really helpful for people either overcoming injuries or just like trying to find confidence in their and their running abilities. Count on your coach. Just ask them, do you think I could do it? <laughs> Make them tell you that you can do it. <laughs> Squeeze it out of them. It's all about, you know, fishing for that boost sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you need that. Don't be uh, afraid to ask. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, where can people follow you if they want to see, you know, everything that you accomplish over the next year and more? Um, at Nessa Fraser on Instagram. That's where you'll find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming on. This is a great episode. Uh, to close out the podcast, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Absolutely. Peace out, fellas. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Big shout out to Sean G for supporting the podcast. I give one of my supporters a shout out in each episode, and it's super easy to support. It's just through the anchor platform and the link is in the show notes. If you want to support the podcast in a free way, it means a lot to me if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I love reading your guys' reviews. It's been so fun to watch since I started. If you want to be up to date on the newest episodes or even submit listener questions, follow at Combos Over Cool Group Pod on Instagram, and I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.